Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all to this worship service. It's a delight to welcome people back to the sanctuary, to our in-person worship service. Yes, applause all around. Great to see people this morning. Please do come in and join together in this time of worship here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. We're also delighted to welcome people who are watching this service online. We know that many people are watching from their homes here in the greater Memphis area, plus many people from even further beyond that. So welcome, one and all, to this worship service this morning from Germantown Presbyterian Church. You can find our bulletin if you're worshiping at home. You'll find it on our church webpage, and there's a tab that says uh, Bulletin uh, Sunday Resources, and the bulletin is there, and you can go and download. We invite everybody to follow along with all that we're doing and during our worship service that we can join together. We may be separated by either six feet or by six miles or many miles, but we will be united by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So indeed, please join us as we welcome each other into worship this morning. Also, there is an online friendship pad. We don't have that here in the sanctuary, but we do have that for folks who are worshiping at home. If you would like to go to the website, there is a tab that you can click on that says online friendship pad. And if you're worshiping with us and you're a visitor, especially, please do sign that pad and let us know where you're worshiping from. Let us know some contact information, and we'd be delighted to uh, welcome you and to thank you for worshiping with us um, uh, from uh, being a visitor this morning. I've had the greatest pleasure reconnecting with people who have been associated with GPC or they're friends of the congregation. They live uh, further afield, and for us to see the online friendship pad and to connect with them is a true joy. So please do sign our online friendship pad if you're a visitor or a member. Uh, Either one, thank you. There's a very special youth event taking place this afternoon at 4.30 in our activities center. It's a a sort of a get-to-know-you Christopher Greco, our new youth director, a get-to-know-you event and a friendly family competition that family units will be seated at different tables There is a game show format to this, and we'll get to know Christopher, and we'll get to compete against one another, and uh, that always seems to make it a little more fun when we can have a little friendly competition, and I'll just tell you, there's already a lot of wagering going on uh, for this event, and um, the Jones family right now has the best odds, are kind of favored, Um, so just to sweeten the pot a little bit, we want everybody to come, even if you haven't signed up yet, please come anyway. I was assured that there'd be plenty of room. And uh, so, so just to sweeten the odds a little bit, if the Jones family loses, then I will shave my head. I will shave my, well, not the whole head, just the part of my head that comprises my face. So there will be some shaving going on if the Jones family loses. If the Jones family uh, wins, then everybody else has to shave their head. So no. So the point is, please come. (laughs) That's not as funny for everybody. (laughs) Please do come this afternoon to the special youth event. And if you didn't sign up already for the food, don't worry. There's extra food. And uh, come anyway, because it'll be a lot of fun. And you'll get to know Christopher, uh, who's just doing a great job already as our new youth director. Don't forget about our evening worship tonight at 6 p.m., Please do come back, either in person or virtually, for our evening worship, our contemporary service that's in here in the sanctuary 
tonight at 6. And then don't forget also a reminder about our annual congregational meeting that is all on Zoom, and it's at noon. It's after Sunday school, not in here, but it's on Zoom. And a link has gone out in various uh, different emails and in various different communications to, uh, to people to sign up to be part of that just with the way Zoom works, and uh, it's not a link that we can just broadcast far and wide. It's something we need people to register for, and so if you didn't get that link or you're curious about that, you can email me and I'll send it to you. You can email a friend in the church and, and they can probably find last week's e-blast and send that to you. So if you want to join the congregational meeting today at noon, um, then please do register and then it'll give you information about how to, uh, to join the, the meeting. And we look forward to seeing everybody virtually, of course, at the annual meeting of the congregation. We hear a report from the nominating committee about the uh, uh, nominees for deacon and elder who will serve uh, starting this coming summer. And then we also hear a report from the stewardship team about our um, 2020 final uh, budget and how we did there. And then also the 2021 budget that, will be, uh, that was approved by the session that will be presented to the congregation. So please do see the uh, annual meeting of the congregation at, on Zoom, the Zoom meeting platform, today at noon. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Good morning, church. Please stand as you are able, both here in the sanctuary and at home, and join in the call to worship as printed in your bulletin. Praise the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord with our whole hearts in the company of those who revere the Lord our God. Great are the works of God, full of glory and majesty. Our God is gracious and compassionate merciful and forgiving. Our God is faithful and trustworthy, just and good. So come, everyone, let us worship the Lord, our God, together. The one who pardons, heals, and strengthens all who repent calls us to name our failings and our hopes. Let us then together confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Holy and all-powerful God, who commands all spirits, comforts those in distress, and casts out destructive forces, we confess that we are unable to do your will. We protect what is familiar and reject what is unknown. We admire those with courage, but excuse ourselves when we falter from the truth. We forget that you are always with us, and that with you all things are possible. Forgive us, lead us, make us new, remove our desire to heed false prophets, and show us your way. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all, 
Amen. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The God who made you and knows your every thought hears you now and forgives you all your sin. You have been redeemed through Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior, who is Alpha and Omega, all in all. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I invite you now joyfully to turn and wave at your socially distanced neighbors around you and also think of those who are not here in the sanctuary with us today. Perhaps reach out to them this week. Tell them you miss them, you love them, check on their well-being. And at this time, I also invite the children to come forward for a time with Miss Anna. Good morning, good morning, boys and girls. It's so good to see everybody back in the sanctuary today. I'm so glad to have you back. We have been continuing to have Sunday school, and we've been learning so much about some of the amazing things that Jesus did in his life on earth. And I have a few pictures, and I was just going to remind us of some of those things that happened. This is a little picture of Jesus when he was um, a young a boy, and he was in the temple, and he amazed people with how much he knew about God. Do you remember that story? <clears throat> Do you remember this one when we talked about how Jesus calmed the storm? You remember? Yay! And this is always one of the favorites at Sunday school. Do you remember this one when four friends lowered their friend through the roof? so that they could see Jesus and he could be healed? That was really, really a good one. So at Sunday school, we are learning so much about Jesus, and it's been so good to see everybody there. And I just want to remind everybody how wonderful it is to come to church on Sundays, where if you don't get to learn about Jesus during the week at Sunday school, you, you always can, and it's so important for us every week to come together to learn about Jesus, to have fun with our church friends, right? 
Yes. So I'm so glad that y'all are here today. I'm going to give you a little verse to take home to help you remember how amazing Jesus is. Everyone who heard him was amazed. Luke 2.47. So I'm going to give you that after we say a prayer together, okay? Will you bow your head with me? And will you pray after me? We haven't done this in a while. Let's see if we can refresh our memories, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for church where we can come together to learn about Jesus. Amen. Great job. You got it. Let us turn to God in prayer. Holy God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you've gathered us into this space, both here and through the power of technology. We give you thanks and praise for gathering us all in together. Now we pray, Almighty God, that you will still all other voices but your own as we prepare ourselves to hear God's word read and proclaimed, so that we may hear your word and may then go forth into the world to be true doers of your holy word. May it be so. We pray together in Christ's name and say, Amen. Our first reading from Scripture this morning is from the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. This is Moses as he continues in his oration to the Israelites. Let us hear God's word to us. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said... If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words of the prophet shall speak in my name. I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name, a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. And from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1 verses 21 through 28. We hear these words. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. 
Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. Come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed the man and came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept asking each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him? At once, Jesus' fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God, and it is for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Storytellers have an amazing gift of weaving bits and fragments, experiences and tall tales into spellbinding stories that capture our imagination and cause us to lean in because we want to hear more and more. Some of my favorite storytellers are Fanny Flagg. She is folksy and fresh. She is endearing and effective. She uses first-person narratives that take us back and forth in time as she weaves the threads of her stories together, and she causes us to want to know more about her southern characters. I love the writing, too, of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and Anne Lamont, especially how they weave into their stories the gospel message of Jesus. And then there's Dolly Parton, such a wizard at her storytelling through her songs. She writes about common, everyday people, everyday objects that she encounters in her own life, and then she sprinkles her magic across it all through her gift of storytelling through songwriting. Storytellers have always been present in human history, for written history and tradition were first shared through storytelling. Think of the ancient Hebrew scriptures, how those stories were spoken word before they were ever written on papyrus. Think of Jesus' teaching through the art of telling parables. You know, those little stories with great big meanings where Jesus challenges the status quo and flips people's preconceived paradigms on their heads. His lessons are easily remembered through his fine art of teaching, through storytelling. Oral tradition, storytelling, is the source of the gospel according to Mark's writer. This writer is most likely a disciple of Peter. And being the first one to write down the gospel message, as he has heard it for decades, he very much wants his readers and hearers to know the sense of urgency for everyone to hear about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and God's coming kingdom, and in their hearing, to repent of their sins and then follow Jesus in their own lives. He writes with his focus on Jesus' death and resurrection and what that means for everyone who hears his message. In Mark, 
Jesus is somewhat of a mysterious figure, hence our current sermon series title, Jesus, Man of Mystery. Jesus seems intent on keeping people from understanding who he really is until he alone is ready to reveal. And we certainly hear the mystery in today's narrative. It begins in this way. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. So catching is the first sentence that we are quickly drawn in and we begin to wonder, who are his followers? Where have they been before now? Why Capernaum of Galilee? This very first sentence, that's what really good storytellers do. They draw us in immediately, and Mark does that throughout his storytelling. Mark introduces us to Jesus through his series of short stories. It's his writing style whereby he shares these brief narratives that both separately and together offer the most beautiful invitation to the kingdom of God if we are but paying attention to what Mark is up to, and more importantly, if we are paying attention to what Jesus is up to. If we've already been with Mark in the first part of chapter 1, then we've heard his short stories about John the Baptist, the one who proclaimed the way before Jesus. Then we've heard about Jesus' baptism, where the Holy Spirit alighted on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my son, my beloved, in you I find great happiness. And then Jesus being sent immediately into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he was tempted for 40 days by demonic unclean spirits. Mark writes that he was among the wild animals, but the angels took care of him. And then as Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he hears about John's arrest, and he goes into Galilee and says, now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust in this good news. And then he walks along the Sea of Galilee And he calls four men. He calls James and John and Simon and Andrew. He convinces them to drop their nets and their livelihoods and to follow him, and they do. Now, we learn all of this in 20 verses. And so when Jesus comes into Capernaum, this seaside Galilean village, he has four followers at this point in Mark's narrative. So this background helps us to answer our burning questions from the opening sentence. Who were Jesus' followers? Where have they been before now? Why Capernaum? We can see that Jesus is at the very beginning of his ministry when he goes into the synagogue at Capernaum and begins to teach. In Mark's gospel, unlike Luke's, we don't hear how Jesus went into the temple at Nazareth. And picked up the scroll of Isaiah, began to read from it, and in so doing, proclaimed what his mission and ministry would all be about. For Luke is a different kind of storyteller. To him, this is important information for his readers to have. And so we were reminded that Luke and Matthew and John all have Mark's gospel in front of them. As they tell the story of the gospel 
from their own perspectives, and they take Mark's gospel and they expound upon it using their own writing styles. But because this is important for us to be able to know more about this mystery man, let's hear what Luke says about Jesus going into the temple in Nazareth. Luke stood and read from the scroll of Isaiah. This is in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me and has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what Luke does is he sandwiches this story of Jesus teaching with authority in the synagogue in Capernaum with Jesus going to Nazareth and reading from the scroll of Isaiah, proclaiming what his mission and ministry would be about, and his calling of his first disciples. So he puts this story that we hear in Mark in the middle of those two narratives. But Mark does not. In his gospel, Jesus is more of a mystery to those that he's encountering. He comes out of the wilderness after defying unclean spirits. And then he announces God's coming kingdom and declares that all people must change their lives and believe and trust in this good news. Then he gathers up a handful of fishermen who by the power of the Holy Spirit leave their nets and their livelihoods behind them to follow him. And then he goes into the synagogue there in Capernaum to teach. He is a man on a mission, but he's still a mystery to everyone. Now, teaching in the synagogue was a role of the Jewish religious authority. The synagogue was a place of reverence and prayer and worship. It was a place of teaching and preaching and community gathering. Folks didn't just walk on off the street and began to teach, except Jesus did. And in so doing, he crosses the established boundary for teaching in the synagogue. And more astoundingly and mysteriously, the established boundary with authority, which causes those present and us to ask even more questions. Whose authority? Who's a, who authorized this man to come in and teach in our sacred place? For whom does he speak and act? Who are you? Or even more arrogantly, Who does he think he is? They must have been muttering under their breath or maybe even muttering out loud or at least wondering. I invite you to look at your bulletin cover for a minute for the artist's rendering of Jesus standing there in the synagogue teaching. Everyone is listening with keen intent. It is obvious that he speaks with some sort of authority, but whose? What Mark is doing is setting the stage for Jesus' authority to be contested throughout his ministry and furthermore his presence 
His words and his deeds will threaten those who seek to claim authority over people's lives. So in this very moment, while everyone is listening intently, while they are wondering, Mark introduces the first one to contest Jesus' authority and interrupt his teaching. And indeed, it is one who has control over a person's life. It's an unclean spirit. Pneuma, a cathartos is the Greek. A cathartos describes something that's morally stained or not fit for ceremonial use. Pneuma is spirit. It refers to a singular being which has independent agency but no physical form. So pneuma, a cathartos, is a spirit that is unclean or unpure. This spirit has agency over this man who enters into the synagogue in the middle of Jesus' teaching. It's the first time that Jesus' authority is contested in Mark's gospel, but it will not be the last. This unclean spirit speaks with disdain and arrogance at Jesus. Jesus. He says, have you come to destroy us? Now, this is a plural word indicating there are several unclean spirits within this man. Notice that we know nothing about this man whose body contains the spirit, nothing about his background, his faith, or lack thereof. It's only the spirit who addresses Jesus, and it's the spirit that Jesus quickly puts in its place. Thus, the spirit's challenge to Jesus' authority is stopped in his tracks. Notice, too, that Mark makes it clear that the unclean spirits are fully aware of who Jesus is, what his authority is, and where his authority comes from. All those questions we were wondering just a moment ago, along with the religious leaders there in the synagogue. The unclean spirits are fully aware of who Jesus is, while the religious men have no clue. The unclean spirits also knows that Jesus, Son of God, is more powerful than they are, that he will cast them out and that they will obey. Now, let's remember that Jesus has just come from spending 40 days in the wilderness where he was tempted over and over again by unclean spirits, demons, if you will, And so they know and they say, I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. And just as quickly as they speak, Jesus shuts them down saying, Silence, come out of him. And the spirits obey Jesus. They convulse the man and they come out. In that moment, all of those in the synagogue are astounded amazed, astonished. This is their reaction when they see and hear Jesus not only teaching with authority, but also exercising the unclean spirits out of this man with authority. We hear nothing more about the man or the spirits, for they aren't the point of Mark's story, and he gives them no more press. His point is the establishment of Jesus' authority here at the beginning of his ministry, to both teach and heal. And God uses the unclean spirits to announce where his authority comes from. It comes from Almighty God. 
So even though they know, Jesus refuses for these spirits to spread the news. He doesn't want the testimony of unclean spirits, and his time has not yet come. Jesus will define his own identity by his life of service offered to others and given to honor God. This is Jesus' story. It's his alone to define and to let it be known, always leading those in his midst to see the coming kingdom of God, to repent of their sins, to follow him, and to go and do likewise. And yet a good story can't be contained, and so his story does begin to spread across the region of Galilee. Now, we must wonder, where are we in this story? Are we among the religious leaders who are dumbfounded by this man who walks in out of nowhere and begins to teach with authority in their very sacred space? They've been teaching the traditions of their faith handed down to them by the religious leaders who've gone before them. Their teaching is supported by quotations from the leaders who have gone before them. And so they're rightly confused. They might feel threatened as he teaches with authority, even more so when he exercises the unclean spirits out of this man. What does this mean for them? For Jesus needs no human authorities to back his statements. When he speaks, God speaks. Led by the Spirit of God, Jesus confronts and destroys the power of evil as evidenced right there in their midst. Or, are we among the four fishermen who've dropped their nets to follow Jesus and are beginning, maybe, to have a slight sense about this man of God, even as they, too, are quite astonished by his words and deeds? Hmm, what are we to learn from him? What will following him really mean in our lives? They must be wondering. Or are we among the bystanders who are really questioning, along with the leaders and the fishermen, who is this man? By whose authority does he teach and heal? Who has sent him? And most importantly for us, what does his presence, his teaching and healing mean for us in our own lives? Are we going to have to change the way we live, the way we respond to each other, the way we're in relationship with one another, the way we care for each other? What does it all mean? Or... Are we like someone possessed by an unclean spirit? Now, we don't know the problems of the man who came into the synagogue. But is there something within us that holds us hostage from following Jesus? Is there resentment or even hatred? Is there cynicism or sarcasm that comes forth from us? against someone. 
Is there spiritual oppression? Or is there just reluctance? Because we want to live our lives according to our own desires and sense of control. Where are we in this short story? The writer of Mark knows that Jesus demonstrates his demonstrations of healing, reveal his power and his authority, just as his words and his other deeds do. So what does this storyteller, this writer of the gospel according to Mark, want us to grasp through his short stories of Jesus' life? For all those with ears to hear, for those in the synagogue, those that were hearing all that he was doing that day, for all those who were here later, the storyteller wants us to grasp the transforming power of God as demonstrated by this man of God who teaches and heals with authority that comes from God above. He wants us all, the religious leaders, the new followers, the bystanders, everyone, including us, here in the sanctuary and those who are worshiping online. He wants each and every one of us to come to know Jesus, Son of God, through all that he will say and do and experience. We must be shown how Jesus always stands beside and cares for those who were suffering and oppressed to begin to get it. Those who've been treated unjustly and had their voices silenced. Those who've had their lives controlled by forces, unclean spirits, people, systems of inequity beyond their own agency, such as this man who comes into the synagogue that day possessed by an unclean spirit. Why is this? Why does Jesus always, always tend to to those who are most in need? Why does he teach and heal in this way? And what does he expect, demand from us? In a nutshell, Jesus' mission and ministry has everything to do with seeing justice served and love shared wherever it is missing. So what does he expect of you and me? What does he demand of me and you? One thing is certain. This boundary-breaking, unclean spirit-dashing, law-transcending Son of God has arrived in the person of Jesus Christ, and he expects, demands, all who want to follow him far more than astonishment, amazement, and wonder. He expects, demands of us, me and you, action. First, we must change our hearts and trust in the good news of God's coming kingdom that Jesus ushers in. And then even more action. Following his model, we must allow our own identities to be defined by lives of service offered to others and given to honor God. 
Thanks be to God for masterful storytellers like the writer of Mark, who helps us to see so clearly the healing and freeing power of transformation when Jesus enters into our lives and when we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, drop our nets, hold out our hands, and take his mantle and then carry forth his mission and ministry into all the world, seeing justice served and love shared, just as he did while on this earth. What does this man of mystery expect and demand of me and you? It's to go and do likewise, beginning now. And to God be all glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Friends, our Christian faith is that which has been handed down to us. No one learns it only by themselves. It's something that is taught to us. And so each time in worship we gather together, we have a chance to affirm what we believe, the beliefs of the church that have been given to us. And so I invite you to stand now and to recite with me the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. God invites us into such a personal, intimate relationship where we can pour out our hearts before God. And so we do this collectively now as a body of Christ. We offer up before God the prayers that are on our hearts and our minds as we pray for our church and our community. Let us pray. You are the God that we love and the God we trust and obey. And to you this morning, Lord, we do pour out our souls in this act of worship. You are worthy of all praise and you are holy beyond our comprehension. You have come to us in Jesus Christ. You have called us like those fishermen to be your followers. You've called us that we may understand your ways of goodness and truth and holiness. Lord, you have taught us the way to abundant life, and we are so grateful as we walk in humble adoration with you in this act of worship today. Lord, we look around us. We survey the beauty of creation all around, and we give you praise and glory as its creator. We thank you for the common grace that you have bestowed upon all creation. All creation, a recipient of your grace, or all life, 
that is so good from your hand. For this grace, we give you thanks. And we're especially grateful for the saving grace by which you have approached us, by which you have come to us in love. And so we're grateful for this generous invitation that we might follow you, that we might come to you, especially when we are weary, especially when we carry heavy burdens. We pray this morning for the many among us in our own church family who are weary today because their burden is heavy. We pray, O God, that you would give them strength, that they would be replenished in their work for you. Lord, for some, that heavy burden comes through advancing age. It comes from the breakdown of their bodies. And so we do pray for all those we love in our church family who are in the winter of their lives. Bless them on this day. Others among us, O oh God, are weary because of a health crisis and because of treatments. We think about those, O oh God, who are suffering from maladies of the mind, from mental illnesses. We pray for them and we pray for their families and we pray for the helping agencies that bring them relief. We think about those, O oh God, who are suffering from cancer and the heavy burdens that they carry as well as their families. And we pray for them on this day. We pray, O oh God, for those who are suffering from COVID. And we pray, O oh God, for those in our own church family as well as our other circles who are right now in quarantine. We pray for their renewed strength and that you would enable their bodies to overcome this virus. We pray for others, O oh God, who are weary because they're in the medical profession for those who are providing and providing and providing and providing until they realize how heavy their load is, oh God, we pray that you would lift that burden with healing and hope. Lord, we pray for others who are facing hardships on this day that we do not know about. We pray that you would be with them, that you would be as close to them as their next breath. We pray, oh God, that you would relieve their burden, that you would take it upon your own shoulders as you have so many times. We pray, O oh God, that you would walk with them, that that cross might not be too heavy for them to carry. We pray, O oh God, that you would indeed continue to bless us as a church. We are grateful on this particular day for all the ways in which you have blessed us, blessed us to come together, to worship, to come together, O oh God, to fellowship, to laugh and to love and to cry all in your name. We are so confident, O oh God, not in ourselves, but in you. And so with trust in you, we do unite our many voices into the one voice of this body as we pray together the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Friends, our hearts are full of gratitude with all that God has done for us. And so with that gratitude in mind, we come now to the time of our offering. I invite those who are worshiping with us here in our sanctuary to remember that there are offering plates at the doors upon your exit this morning. And you're invited to put an offering into those plates. If you're worshiping with us online, then you can go to the church website. And you'll see numerous ways you can give electronically or you can also mail in your support for the church. We are grateful for all that God has done for us. And so now we respond with gratitude.
Let us pray. Lord God, you plant so many seeds in so many hearts. We pray for those seeds to grow and to germinate and then to blossom. We pray, Lord, that that might happen through our stewardship and our offering and what we give. Lord, may what we give be like that abundant harvest that reaps so much for your kingdom. And so we dedicate this offering, we dedicate ourselves to your use and for your work in building up the kingdom of Christ all around us. In his name we pray. Amen. My siblings in Christ, sorry, my siblings in Christ, go forth into the world to share the mission and ministry of Jesus who teaches and preaches with authority from God. Go forth into the world to see that justice is served and love is shared wherever it is missing. And as you go, may the love of God, the peace of Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God, abide with each and every one of you, binding you together into Almighty God now and forevermore. And let God's people say, Amen.